0: This is The Spout Podcast, where famous people spout off about more than what they're famous for. Here's Eric Zachary. Let's just start with some facts. 23 million monthly listeners on Spotify, monthly. She was most recently named the youngest musician on Forbes' top 30 under 30, and her hit single, You Broke Me First, has a music video that is about to break 100 million views on YouTube. That's a video that she shot herself in quarantine, by the way, no big deal. My name is Eric Zachary, this is Spout, where famous people spout off about more than they're famous for, and today, we're talking to Tate McRae. What's up, Tate? Hello. Do those numbers even register? Like, they can't fully, right? I've never obviously been in that position, but there has to be a point where it's just, you're getting thrown these metrics and they just don't make sense.
1: No, it never makes sense. I think the thing is that, (laughs) the thing is that
0: on- The limit doesn't exist.
1: It doesn't exist, no, like, Sometimes like numbers are hard for a brain to process like to think that they're actually people. Like it it sounds crazy and then you're like, "Oh my god, that's like that's like 10 million actual people." <laughs> and that then that's when it gets weird for sure.
0: That's so wild. Well, first and foremost, I have to compliment how you have handled and navigated Everything in your life, especially your career, with everything that was 2020, uh, you know, it's just very cool to see someone like yourself staying so focused, so determined through all of this, which leads me to my first question. You know, I'm sure there's constant goals that you're you're striving for, some of which you've probably already achieved and you've checked off, but there also probably have to be goals that you didn't even, you know, mentally set and you kind of go, wait, I I didn't even think this was going to happen. I wasn't even, putting this in my realm of possibilities you know for example a couple weeks ago someone sang your song on american idol as an audition track and got through to hollywood <laughs> doing that what's that feel like
1: that was crazy i think it's because i always want i always used to watch those videos like the good and the bad auditions and i was just obsessed with watching that show um and i think it just becomes like legit and real when you see an actual person bring it to a tv show and like say it out loud that's what it like that's when it registers and it was, it was really crazy actually.
0: Right, plus add in the whole element that it's a show not too dissimilar from where you got your start, you know, so you could dance that you were on when you were 12, which doesn't make me feel very light to the game by any stretch of the imagination. But with that said, you know, I consider myself a dancer until I talk to someone like you, right? I can keep a beat, I have my flare moves, I can show off a little bit, but then you talk to someone that has truly studied the art of dance, that has made this their craft which has essentially been your entire life, you've put 19-hour days into making sure that you get that perfect move just right. How has quarantine affected that? Because dancing's not like riding a bike. You can't just stop and then a couple months later pick it back up like that. You have to constantly, actively be training. How have you maintained that? How has 2020 affected that?
1: Um, That was the thing that's been, I think, the hardest is everything's been on Zoom for dance classes. And my mom's my dance teacher, so she can like... I don't know. I like always want to take classes and be a part of the studio. The problem is is it's my senior year. So it's like my last year training at the studio. And then again, my entire schedule is blowing up like crazy. So I always miss my dance classes and I literally just, it's so busy. I don't have time anymore. And as much as I, so I, I, as much as I can, I try to like go into our gym downstairs and train or then I'll work with like my choreographer and just like do it for three hours just so I can, like, keep it up because it's so hard right now, especially amidst a global pandemic where everything's online, making dance harder to <laughs> harder to actually do.
0: So my mom was in show business, too, and, and, you know, helped guide me through a lot of what I do now. But there's definitely pros and cons to that, right? Having, on one hand, someone that you could not have a closer relationship with in the world be the person that's instructing you and teaching you dance but on the other hand, there's got to be a weird dynamic. I, do you have like a separate formal chat for for mom, the dance teacher, where you like text her going, hi, Miss McRae. I won't be able to make today's <laughs> lesson at 3 p.m.
1: Yeah, no, it's the weird part is, is that like when I was younger, I used to say to my mom, all right, right, you're mom right now, like you can't pull out a coach on me. You can't, you can't be giving me corrections or giving me, you know, critiques while you're being my mom. And I think that's the weird part is like, there's that, those two different roles in your life that are very important and are super influential and when they cross over sometimes it can get really really tricky and weird um so i think that we I, I dealt with that growing up my entire life but it's it's definitely gotten better now because she's getting super invested in the music industry and kind of just wants to be a mom and wants to get involved in other ways and yeah. in that sense and i've kind of taken on the dance myself
0: yeah. so and as someone that's received so many accolades as of late, you know, for the career that you're currently building, not that that's not well-deserved, but to me, it, it makes sense that you're this successful because you are so hypercritical of yourself. I've seen the interviews, I've seen the post where you've made fun of, you know, your dance moves or your, your songs of the past. And yeah, part of it's a joke, but part of it is very much the reason you are where you are right now. You know, you are so hypercritical of what you do. And and that's only magnified by the fact that you're not just a singer. You are a real classically trained dancer. You know, you're not just critiquing, you know, did I hit that note? You're crit- critiquing your physical body movements and, and the athleticism behind it as well.
1: Oh, it totally makes the process like 10, 10 times more difficult because when you're filming a, a tv show and it's just like one performance that's only a two-minute song it's not just a two-minute song because there's about 80 million dance moves stuck in that two-minute song so it's making sure i'm nailing the vocals and that the vocals sound awesome and then making sure that i'm in sync with my dancers and that i'm not you know i'm doing the choreography good so it's a whole bunch of things you have to think about that you know i feel like i prepared myself when i was younger like for this point but it definitely is a more, way more exhausting and drilling process than people actually think. Oh, for sure.
0: So then, when you're filming music videos, you know, I, I obviously wanna talk about You Broke Me First. I know that you've told the story a thousand times, but it's just like the coolest story in the world, so we'll come back to that. But for some of your more robust videos, like Rubber Band, for example, where you're doing these giant lyrical movements and they're so physically uh, demanding. Are you singing as well or are you lip syncing? Because when it's a performance, you obviously have to sing, but it's also a shorter amount of time where when you're filming a music video, that's 14, 16 hours, sometimes even more. That would have to be difficult on your voice if you're singing the entire time.
1: Well, the thing is, I'm like really bad at lip syncing. So I I, (laughs) just being honest, I can't. It's like, I'm really bad at it. It It won't look like I'm actually singing. So I have to sing it out loud when I'm filming music videos for it to look somewhat real so by the end of the day I'll always have no voice because you're not even being like tone aware. You're just like screaming it because over it's over the music and you're dancing and <laughs> it's just brutal for your cords. You chords. broke me first legit. It's like burning your vocal cords because it's all, have all the emotions and everything and it's yeah, I usually don't have any voice by the end of a music video shoot.
0: But you power through it. And that's what's I think drawn my attention to you as a artist so much over the last year and change, is watching you go from someone that was putting out a song a week that you wrote and produced yourself on YouTube, to putting out your EP, to signing a record deal, to singing a song that was written for you, but you didn't have a hand in, which you've never done before, to this massive commercial success that was You Broke Me First, a song that's still climbing, by the way, a year later, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and quick side note, a-, a track that has made me cry a little more than I'm proud to admit, <laughs> not even because, <laughs> Not even because of the emotional aspect. I mean, sure, that too, and breakups and relationships and whatnot. But is it weird that I've started equating sad songs and breakup songs with just 2020 and quarantine and the pandemic and everything that we've gone through?
1: Yes. Even things that aren't even going on. Like if I'm not, I'm not even going through a heartbreak at all. Like nothing's wrong in any of my relationships. And I'll listen to sad songs and I'll be so depressed. And I think it's just that idea of like, the world seems like it's ending in some sort of aspect so all you want to do is go on a drive and literally just cry for no reason because there's there's nothing really going wrong but there's so much going wrong
0: well we're all filled with so many emotions right now that we're facing in real time which is kind of something that's never really happened at least in our generation you know we've been able to be distracted by work or by relationships or friends or something and we lost all of that when we went through quarantine So I think everyone's just so trigger happy and ready to just break down at any time. And I'm including myself in this because the other day I was at Starbucks and they were out of the drink that I ordered. Yeah. And your song was on the radio. I, I turned it up and... I'm not kidding when I say for like half a second I felt like I broke up with Starbucks. (laughs) I'm serious though, because it was just, it was me sitting in the car being just like, kind of let down for a second and realizing (laughs) that, oh my gosh, Tate McRae, you broke me first, applies to this situation. And then I suddenly started spiraling and going, okay, now she writes for the soundtrack of my life. But to get a little more serious with it, there's a reason for that, right? You are so good at songwriting not just for yourself but for other people and the best songwriting does that you know it does dramatize a little bit it does draw from other perspectives not just your own it's not just a first person thing and i can't commend you enough when i say that i looked i tried to go through your entire catalog to find a song that doesn't apply to an emotion that everyone has felt in one way or another and you can't you just can't and that's a sign of someone that is so committed to writing with intent not just to write a hit You know and to take this a step further you do that with your visuals too with your videos with your performances you have such a heavy hand in everything you do i gotta ask have you received a director's credit yet
1: um no i haven't i usually am a huge part of like the whole the whole process i'll be on every single call like
0: the treatment start to finish i'll
1: usually think of the treatment ideas i'll write down blurbs and then usually it's just like the director who gets the credit but i think. Honestly, I think, I think this is just a process that you go through is you realize the more you can do, the more confident you get on with like music video sets. And I'm like a pretty, I feel like I could take on a lot of roles. And I think that's just because I'm super direct in what I want. Um, Mm -hmm. And I can multitask and, you know, work the job. Mm -hmm. I really want to start taking on director roles just because I, I know what I want already. I don't sometimes... Sometimes people just add another cook in the kitchen for no reason. And, you know, I think it, I think in the future, I'm for sure gonna try getting into that. But right now it's been a little, they're, they're like a 17 year old directing their videos.
0: Okay, so I have a very specific question about the You Broke Me First video, and I know you've told this story a thousand times, so we'll run through it quick, right? You were about to film the video for the song, you had to fly back to Calgary because of the pandemic, you had to go home and quarantine, but you still needed the video, the label hits you up and they go, hey, we need something, just figure it out. So you go to the top of a deserted parking garage, you tape your phone to the back of a car, car drives in reverse, and you film one take of you singing this song. I got this right, yeah? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So then my question is, as someone that films in public a lot, both for for TV and I've tried the occasional TikTok, I am so hyper aware of whenever anyone else is watching me. I know it was the pandemic, but yeah. you're on top of a parking garage. Was there anyone else that saw you doing this? <laughs>
1: so the funny thing is, is... Um <laughs> so we were up there and me and my friend were doing it on this. I don't I don't even know if we were supposed to be up there.
0: Hypothetically, allegedly, right? Never you never admit fault publicly. Yeah, you, I, hypothetically, I don't know if we were supposed to be up no. there. No.
1: Hypothetically, I don't know. And we were <laughs> we were on top. It was like really empty up there. The pandemic just broke so it felt like a zombie apocalypse cuz no one was on the streets. And we, the, my friend like basically got in the car. I like put down my phone, set it all up. He started driving backwards. And after we had done like two takes, I got this man from like the top balcony. He basically screamed, I thought he screamed, stop doing TikToks. <laughs> and, <laughs> and my friend thought he said, Keep doing your cool TikToks. No. And I was like, dude, he's not going to say that. Like, as, as
0: healthy as it would be for society, if people just yelled out compliments <laughs> and words of encouragement, that's probably not what he was screaming from the top of his balcony to a complete stranger. I
1: was like, that's definitely not a positive thing when he screams at you from his balcony. Like I was like, all right, we got to we got to leave.
0: <laughs> I like the idea of this person, you know, screaming at you because of just being annoyed with these kids and TikToks and, and just being a crotchety old person, and then, you know, flash forward a couple of months or even just most recently, finding the video on YouTube and going, <laughs> "Oh, my God, of all the people I could have screamed at, <laughs> this is a video that was being filmed and now has nearly 100 million views
1: on <laughs>
0: Okay, so I want to go back to dance now because the two are so intertwined, but I, I cannot stress this enough. You know, the, the research I've done on you, that is where all of this emotion comes from. You know, you have people, I'm sure, grilling you in interviews going, where, where does it come from? You're 17. You haven't had this much heartbreak yet. And it's going, okay... Stop for a second because anyone that has done any kind of interpretive dancing, even just a little bit, even just taking a class, hell, even just watched a show, you realize and recognize that that is emotion. Mm-hmm. It's real emotion. You know, of course, there's mechanics of dance associated with it, but in order to properly execute, these interpretive dances, you have to be feeling what you're doing. Yeah. So when you're songwriting then, does that come into play when you're writing line by line when you're in the studio? Are you already working ahead? or the gears already turning of what you're gonna be doing from a dance perspective?
1: I mean, it de- really depends on the producer in the room. Like if he starts cranking up the bass and the kicks and the snares, and he starts going off on that, I'm gonna not think about my song at all and I'll probably just start dancing. Um, but that's why i kind of need to just listen to loops of guitar and stuff so i literally have no no way of thinking about dance otherwise i will think too much about it
0: so it's almost a distraction when you're writing if, you, if you're not careful
1: yeah i tell i tell producers all the time like please don't put the drums in yet i well don't want to hear them like i need when i'm writing i just need something clear and simple because otherwise i would start thinking about other things and not my lyrics which i think is the most important part but I don't know, it just distracts me. So I, I need to always have just a guitar and nothing else.
0: <laughs> well, that makes so much sense, especially when you think about you've been songwriting alone for so long. So for you to go from that, you and your thoughts alone in a room to other people putting in their input and when songwriting in general, a lot of people don't realize this, isn't just done with the same team again and again and again. It can be, but more often than not, you're rarely writing with the same person. You know, mm. you have multiple different people all with their own uh, thought of where this song should go and that's got to be a little bit unique for you because you haven't done that a lot
1: yeah it's 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 been really interesting because i am super like i'll be the type of person that will turn off my camera and turn off my mute and i'll go and write a song by myself and then tell the other people in the room. I just <laughs> You're just
0: you're ghosting them and they're wondering if you're even still there. Where'd you go?
1: That's the thing. Like I get really self-conscious when I just like am writing and throwing out ideas in front of people because no one likes them when I first say it. Like people just don't like it at first. And I think that's the most stupid thing ever because I know how to connect it. I just don't know how to say it at first. So if I shoot out like a sick, a sick concept, this is the thing about this one girl named Victoria who wrote You Broke Me First with me. I, I write with her a lot now. And she's probably one of the only people that doesn't completely like sabotage and just throw down my ideas. And that's why I usually just like shut off the camera and I'll go off and then I'll come back and be like, this is the song. Um, but but even when I had the lyric, but I don't really care how bad it hurts because you broke me first. She was like, oh, this is sick. And so usually people would hear that. That's the thing. People would hear that lyric and be like, you broke me first, that's so cheesy, or like whatever. And, and then just throw it away. And then you leave these really, really strong ideas because they weren't thought about properly or because a 17 year old said it. That's why it's like getting in the room with the right people.
0: Yeah, and you handle it well. I'm sure people bring up your age all the time and it is impressive. But also, you gotta remember, it's not like you just started doing this. You know, you started writing songs on a somewhat professional level for a public audience when you were 13, even younger. You know, so if you were 28, and you started when you were 24, no one would be questioning this. But because you started when you were 13 and now you're 17, they're going, well, hang on, let's pump the brakes. She might not know everything yet. And that's just, that's not the case. You have the experience. (laughs) Songwriting is just such a unique thing, man, because I've actually gotten the chance to sit in on a lot of sessions I had no hand in helping but i have friends that work for warner chapel and i've been in these sessions and what kills me is there's always one person that will immediately just start going down a rabbit hole like in this case <laughs> if you go you broke me first they'll start going first worst worst curse and you're like oh my god just sit with it for a second oh my
1: gosh there's so many there's so many sessions where people are like oh this is a sick rhyme and i'm like yeah dude it makes zero sense I'm like, that didn't connect to the story at all.
0: Also, did you just hear the sentence that came out of your mouth? (laughs) Like, this is a sick rhyme. (laughs) Easy.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of things that... There's a very specific songwriter process, and I hate getting into that. Because then you just end up writing a jumble of words that don't really make any sense, but it's kind of a love song, and the exact same love song as every other one. Um, And so, I mean, there's that idea of where I will just sometimes close off and I'll start freestyling. Because I feel like if your subconscious says something, it probably has something more emotional to tell than the rhyme that you're about to create and you're using your brain. So I think it's, it's, it's just like kind of letting it happen and recording it and being in the moment of rather than trying to force a million different rhymes and cool things that sound sick. You know, <laughs> I hate that.
0: <laughs> so voice memos, you know, this is a thing for pretty much any songwriter I've ever met, you know, to to lay down a quick melody or, or word or verse uh, in voice memo on your iPhone, which, uh, secret's out, isn't exactly the highest quality recording utensil you could <laughs> yeah. use. But you're just using it for reference, right? So when you go back to this deep collection of, of tracks on your phone or on your iTunes or Apple Music, is it cringy? Are you able to do it without, you know, just like crying, basically, or?
1: Yeah, no, they're brutal. I think it's because you always have your mouth too close to the voice memo. So you sing really loud and aggressively into this voice memo. And <laughs> and you're like,
0: oh! It's like, it's like death metal.
1: Oh my God, and it's like, this is the coolest thing ever. And you just, like, in the moment, it feels so cool when it's really not. And so you listen back, and you're like, oh God, <laughs> what was I thinking? Um But, yeah, I just have, I don't even, I can't even look back at it. There's so much, in that phone i don't even know
0: speaking of looking back you know the youtube you've basically been journaling your life since your formative years are is there a video that specifically (laughs) has too many views that you can't take it down now people would just know but in your heart you're like i i really wish that this could just be unlisted right now
1: there's a lot of those songs i mean i decided to post this youtube channel and do all this original songwriting when i was 13 13 and 14 and 15 are probably the most dramatic stages of your life. Then um, I just decided to document it and share it with the
0: world. <laughs> so I mean, I basically just admitted to almost crying because Starbucks didn't have my order. So <laughs> maybe, and I'm 29, so maybe not the most dramatic years of my life, but <laughs> for, for you. No, yes. Yo,
1: I try to, I try to appreciate it. I'm like, all right, this is a growth. Like this is baby Tate, like just respect it and be grateful. But I'm like, God, I was so annoying. And there's some things that will never get off the internet (laughs) that have like 12 million views. And I'm like, "Uh, why did I write this song? Like, I I don't know why I wrote it.
0: Speaking of, you've talked a lot about the wall in your bedroom right? <laughs> this giant canvas where you've written down song ideas and emotions and, and and scribbled moments and journaled things of your life on to inspire you on projects in the future. Does the wall still exist or have you painted over it?
1: Um, I definitely painted over it.
0: Oh <laughs> it no, okay. It, you took a picture though, right? I
1: definitely took a picture. Okay, good. It, go like, go it was talked a lot about. It was, the problem was is that it wasn't just like little doodles and stuff. Like it was super dramatic quotes. <laughs> so like i'd have people come into my room and i'd be like just don't just please don't please don't look at this massive wall the ignore the giant
0: <laughs> billboard in my room please yeah just don't look that way
1: no i just literally i couldn't i, I couldn't deal with that i was like this is it's, it wasn't even cool it was just like quotes of like really like heartbreaking quotes that i'd found on like pinterest and stuff so it was like very really traumatic i needed to get rid of it
0: <laughs> well not for nothing though it's not like it was just a decoration in your your teenage bedroom it, it wasn't supposed to be just angsty for no reason you were using it as a tool you were writing down thoughts and ideas and, and quotes so that you could continue to write and it
1: helped me write songs like i'd stare at this wall and i'd write songs like it was it was a very it was a big part i think it was like a big part of my 13 14 15 early teen stage i just needed to Fresh start as I got older.
0: Okay, so Post Malone, you've been very vocal about him being the dream collab, the person to work with, right? <laughs> yes. And I'm not gonna ask you, is it happening? Has there been an exchange? Is it being set up? Anything like that? I just wanna know one hypothetical question. Would you rather work with Post Malone, songwrite with him in the studio, spend time, even remotely? Yeah, but never get a chance to perform it, or would you rather perform with Post Malone Live in front of a live audience? And, and have that adrenaline rush, but it not be a song that you had a hand in at all.
1: Oh, I would want to write with him. I would like, I, even if we're in different places, the idea of just being like, I used to, when I would go into sessions, I'll sometimes pull up Post Malone songs and I'll just listen to them back to back because of his crazy melodies. And like he's got, his melodies go so hard. If I could be inspired by like what he was singing, I feel like we could write something really cool. And I, that's just a dream of mine. Like, even if it never got released, just to work with him would be cool.
0: That's how I know that, that, that's how I know that you care. And I know that sounds cheesy, right? But I've, I've gotten the chance to interview quite a few artists. And, and there's no fault on either side of it, right? Some people are in it for the experience, for the moments. And you're in it truly for the art of the songwriting, which I just, I find so admirable. Speaking of post now, that we got to get into it, right? You just got to announce that he's headlining Lollapalooza. You also will be on the Lollapalooza lineup in a world where you've spent most of your uh, official signed with a label career in quarantine, not doing a lot of live performances, certainly not for giant audiences. Mm-hmm. Are you nervous? Is it, is it, is it scary that you're going to be on stage at one of the biggest music festivals in the world? performing, dancing, doing it all?
1: Yeah, I'm terrified. I mean...
0: <laughs> no pressure, by the way. So, sorry, I should have, should have prefaced that. But. It's going to
1: be scary. I mean, I'm, I i don't get a lot of nerves, I think, for performing just because I have done it for so long. But when it comes to singing, it's a whole different ball game. Like, I, I feel like I can... I can dance in front of a huge crowd, but I just don't know for singing. I've never really done it.
0: You're going to kill it, though. I know we don't know each other, but just, you know, to have a conversation one-on-one with someone like this, I can already tell you are going to do so many amazing things. Not that you haven't already. It's just going to continue. And I I am so excited to continue to get to watch the success and see it happen in real time. Now, before I let you go, though, we got to address it. You know, as a classically trained dancer someone that has studied this art for so much of your life yeah how do we feel about tiktok dancing is there a tiktok dance move that you wish didn't exist
1: Uh, (laughs) there's a lot of tiktok dance moves i wish didn't exist
0: (laughs) we don't we don't need to call any of them out we don't want to make anyone feel bad but just i i would imagine there's got to be a point where you're like going okay flossing while cool isn't professional dancing.
1: I think okay, here's the biggest thing is I think TikTok dances are super fun and I like I do them too. Like I they're fun and I do them with my friends. And it's like a, it's like a cute challenge. I think it's like really cool, but I do hate when people say this is dancing because it's not. <laughs> Cuz it's like you know, dancers train. It's like saying you're a gymnast and you can't do backflips and all these like crazy things. It's like as a dancer, you train your whole life to be technical and to have all these different techniques and you know it work a lot of work, hard work and i think tiktok moves are like what I, like my parents do them like
0: <laughs> yeah it's fun it's movement it's a release it's just it's not quite the same as professional dancing
1: yeah it's like party dancing
0: right with that <laughs> party dancing i like that party with dance. that said has there been a specific tiktok trend that you are almost frustrated because you didn't get it as quickly as you thought you know you should have <laughs> been able to
1: I mean, these these dances, sometimes you think they're going to be so easy, and they're not. <laughs> they're like a lot of moves put together.
0: Tate, you're awesome. This is our first time talking. I already feel like we've known each other. I can't wait for the next conversation, potentially at Lollapalooza. You never know. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm excited to see all the continued success and, and everything that's happening for you. It's, it's, it's really awesome to see.
1: So nice talking to you.
0: You too. All right. That is it for today's episode of Spout. Do not forget, we are putting out new episodes every single week. Very pumped for everyone and all of the guests that are on the way. So don't miss out. Don't risk it. Click subscribe, turn on the bell notification icon, maybe send a carrier pigeon to yourself, whatever you have to do to make sure that you are ready to go the instant that a new episode drops. See the full conversation at Spout Podcast on YouTube follow us at spout underscore podcast on ig twitter and tiktok plus now spout podcast on clubhouse next week phineas spouts off what usually happens is i send him the song and i'm like i have this crazy idea for video and i tell him and he's like nice nice and then he sends me an idea and i'm like well, that's way better and then we just do what we just do whatever he says my cost projection for my concept would be like six million dollars <laughs> this is like not six million dollars be sure to listen to the next spout podcast on apple podcast spotify or wherever you get your podcast the spout podcast is presented by alpha media produced by gorilla sound hosted on sounder fm and created by phil becker Bouncy.